Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just $60, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. LMFM Podcasts. With CNC Carpets, we bring the showroom to you. Or you can book a personal consultation at our fabulous new showroom in Moortown, Dramiskan. Call 087-660-40-237 or visit our website at cnccarpets.com to book an appointment. CNC Carpets, for all your carpet and wood flooring needs. You're very welcome to Monday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. It's great to be back with you on the show. But first today, I have to say huge thanks to Barbara Scully, who did a fantastic job while I was away. Thank you so much, Barbara, for standing in. And the feedback was fantastic. And I'm sure you'll be back on LMFM Radio in the future. Thanks a million again. Nice to be back with you after my two-week break. I'll tell you more about that a little bit later on. Uh, But today, I begin the show as is my want on the first day of each month on the show. It's a brand new month of course of October the first late lunch of October 2022 our little saying from our divine word word calendar to carry with you in your heart and mind through the month it's as follows keep this with you folks your talent is God's gift to you what you do with it is your gift back to God just think about that and uh, ponder on it and take it with you over the days ahead in this 10th month of the year welcome to the show if you want to get in touch don't forget the usual numbers 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text now my first guest today is really interesting and you'll understand why when we talk because I read a, a, a really powerful article that he wrote some weeks back and I said to myself when I do get back from the holidays I want to talk to this man he's the chair of Petrol Resources, and they're an oil and gas exploration company. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon, David Horgan. Hello, David. Hello, many thanks. Thanks for joining me on the show. Well, being uh, the chairman of an oil and gas exploration company says what it is and what you are and what your business is. So to understand that from the start. But maybe you could just tell our listeners uh, in brief terms, how exposed is the word I'm looking for? We are to our supplies of oil, gas, etc. Will you just explain that for the starters, please? Yeah. All modern societies are very dependent on energy. I mean, that's always been true, but it's increasingly true. So you may think that your gadgets are more energy efficient than your grandparents, and you'd be right up to a point, but you're using many more gadgets. And if you look at the really dynamic part of the Irish economy, it's um, the international American-owned companies in pharma and IT and so on. They're very heavy users of electricity, both in their plants and also in the services that they sell. So our whole civilization is tied up with energy. Now, where do we get our energy from? Ireland imports 100% of its oil, although it has 
uh, some small oil discoveries off the um, the Celtic uh, Sea coast. Uh, it imports about three quarters of its gas now, uh, a quarter from the Corb gas field, which is in rapid decline. Uh, but the three quarters that we import comes through two long, vulnerable pipelines from Scotland. And while the Scots have been reliable suppliers up to now, the fact that Brexit, uh, Britain has threatened to cut us off from food uh, supplies, and the fact that the French have threatened the British with electricity supplies to Guernsey and Jersey, shows that you cannot take those pipelines to be secure in the event of, of a shortage. Mm. Uh, now, historically, Ireland used to burn a lot of coal, and I noticed that today we're burning over 10% of electricity generation is coal, and they can stockpile coal. But basically, Ireland is extremely vulnerable, and those who are blasé about these pipelines are less blasé this week than last week, because, of course, two major pipelines in the Baltic Sea were mysteriously blown up uh, in a professional hit on four uh, points in relatively shallow water. And if that can happen in the middle of a NATO lake in the Western Baltic, it can certainly happen in the Irish offshore. So we are extremely vulnerable and government policy should be driven by the desire for energy affordability, first of all, and reliability. So we really are exposed. That is the message today. We rely on others almost entirely when you quote those figures there. And also, uh, you wrote uh, that we have uh, little battery storage, we have no gas storage, or we have no oil storage either. Yeah, I mean, the most of our oil storage is actually held overseas. Now, we were allowed to do that when Britain was part of the European Union, uh, because it's a contiguous country, or, or it would be if it weren't for the sea. But of course, Britain's left the European Union now. And uh, bizarrely, Ireland has no gas storage for a country so dependent on gas. Now, we could have used the retired Kinsale field for gas storage, but the uh, department and the politicians took a penny-pinching approach. Same happened in Britain. I mean, Britain had quite a large storage facility at the old rough gas field in the North Sea, and they retired it uh, over the last 10 years uh, for cost-saving reasons. So there was a bizarre lack of concern for supply interruptions because we haven't really been interrupted since the early 80s. Uh, and now we're, the shortcomings of that uh, um, complacent attitude are being revealed for all to see. And you also mentioned that the the big investment and the big push is into renewables, especially wind. But if the wind doesn't blow, I've said this on this show, show before, David, we're in trouble. And we had a very calm spell, I know, last year, which produced little or no electricity. Then you have to turn to gas and oil and coal to fire the stations to provide the power. You believe, even though the, the world is in crisis globally with global warning, warming. This is a, a policy that's fraught with danger. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the total global energy mix, Ireland is not that different. Uh, basically, 83% or so of the total energy that we get comes from fossil fuels. Renewables are about 10 or 11%, uh, which half is hydro. Uh, so despite everything, despite massive subsidies, despite all the support and all the greenery, the reality is that renewables are very marginal, even within Europe, which has been a massive source of uh, promotion and investment for intermittent renewables. You can see what happened in Germany. Germany made reasonable penetration in its electric grid up to about eight years ago, got to the low 20s of their electricity generation. Since then, they've roughly doubled the investment and there's been no appreciably increase in dependence on, on wind as opposed to traditional sources of energy. And the reason, if you think about it, is obvious, as you say, that wind is 
is intermittent, it's unpredictable, it's variable, therefore it has to be backed up 100%. So if you look at the air grid numbers, like today, and it shows 31% renewables today, what it doesn't tell you is that there are gas-fired power stations whirring in the background, uh, burning fuel, emitting carbon, because they need to be instantly available. Now, Intel... Google, Microsoft, all the rest won't put up with any interruption of their um, electricity supply. So either we provide them with built-in redundancy or they build their own plants that are going to be fired by diesel to provide the same thing. So you, you cannot have intermittent wind with that backup. Therefore, the actual contribution of wind is much lower than what is claimed and the costs are much higher than what is claimed because, of course, the way the contracts are written, they first of all, they get a 60% higher price than anybody else. That's not the case during the Ukraine war, obviously, because gas is spiking, but they have that guaranteed price. However, uh, they're not obliged to deliver that price. So if the wholesale market goes to infinity, which it has the last four months, they can sell at a very higher price. Uh, And in addition, uh, they don't have to deliver. If there's no wind, they don't have to go out into the market like you or I and buy from somebody else and deliver to meet their contracts. If it doesn't suit them to deliver, they just don't deliver. Now, That's fine if politicians were honest with the electorate. If you go to the electorate in an election and say, look, we're going to subsidize the sector by 100% and you're going to pay for it through your taxes or through your electricity bills, and people vote for that, that's fine. But instead, what our politicians do, they either either don't understand the reality or they deliberately mislead us with comments like, oh, the wind is free and, uh, you know, we're going to double our our wind capacity and therefore free ourselves of fossil fuels. Now, anyone in the industry knows that that is not correct. There are no perpetual motion machines. You cannot rely on intermittency and building more intermittency is not a solution for the intermittency you start off with. And therefore, we have to be pragmatic. There are no silver bullets We need multiple sources of energy and multiple routes to market. That's the only way we can guarantee affordable energy supplies to Irish people. I worry because uh, of what you say there. Obviously, uh, the big uh, employers and contributors to the economy, you say, will not be discommoded or they'll do their own thing. But it's easy, I'm sure, to shut off uh, Joe Soap like myself and the listeners today. And, you know, we may see, we may, I only say we may uh, see uh, electricity being rationed or whatever and uh, cut off times uh, this winter and spring. But anyway, let's see what happens there. Come back to the point uh, of your proposals. What would you like to see happen? What can the government do? You say, be honest about this uh, and say that renewables are, you know, not wholly reliable. What would you do? Well, we already have a gas field at Corb. It's not a, not a gigantic field, but it, it was about one trillion cubic feet. There were several Corb twins that were identified both by the original operator and by uh, companies that took acreage in the surrounding ground. They're being prevented from exploring those targets, uh, which could be easily fed into the existing infrastructure. So you wouldn't be discommoding people at Bela Habui or anywhere else because the infrastructure is already in place. It's madness not to uh, give permission to those people to explore and add new reserves. The same with the discovery off the coast of Cork. It's far lower mission and cheaper to develop our own oil and gas infrastructure than to import it from Western Siberia or OPEC countries. Also, we have... Uh, a huge potential reserve up in the northwest uh, in Roscommon, Leitrim and Fermanagh. Over 5 trillion cubic feet in place, of which we could certainly recover, say, 3 trillion cubic feet, so roughly two can sales or three corns. We could hydraulically fracture those reserves now 
the targets are they're deep, so there's no threat to any aquifer. The technology has developed to the point now where the risks are very manageable, and Europe has extremely high restrictions on this sort of activity in the onshore particularly. So we should be hydraulically fracturing the northwest um, part of Ireland and drilling out the identified targets that we have, we've identified over the last 10 years particularly uh, in deeper water, water that could not have been touched previously, and in that way become energy sufficient, like the Norwegians are. I mean, people talk about the Norwegians being environmentally friendly. They're just allocating another 100 blocks for international companies to explore. Why don't we take a leaf out of their book and instead of paying Johnny Farner to import our fossil fuels, why not export and profit from these high prices ourselves? So you're talking about fracking there? Up in the northwest, fracking in the uh, the offshore, it's uh, the conventional reservoirs for the most part. There are certainly a dozen, probably more, gas targets identified over the last 10 years. Ironically, Ireland, Ireland had uh, a boom from about 2013 through to 2019. Ireland had a boom in international companies coming into Ireland not just for what, what we were doing, but what the, the, the Eastern Canadians had. They had in similar rocks, they had a, lot, uh, a series of discoveries. Um, and originally, East of Canada was joined to Ireland at, at, the, at the age that we're looking at. Also, some discoveries uh, more in more recent geological ages of West uh, Africa that could extend north and south. So the international companies suddenly became very interested in Ireland from about 2015 on. And we had, uh, what, 19 major companies, 47 blocks as of 2016, Ireland was a hotbed of exploration, and uh, we, with our partners, we spent about £60 uh, million on 3D seismic. We identified several gas targets with our Australian partner. They were ready to drill, uh, and then overnight the Irish government uh, reversed policy and uh, banned future oil and gas exploration. Um, and that made no sense. Uh, basically, our politicians are interested in the sizzle rather than, than the beef. Uh, but we can't afford the luxury of running out of um, fuel because if there's even a risk that we might run out, the American companies that are paying the, co- the corporate tax that's paying for our surplus at the moment, uh, those companies will scoff or they'll go off somewhere where uh, they have secure uh, electricity supplies and they won't stay here. You also mention nuclear. Yeah, I mean, uh, nuclear technologies are actually statistically very safe. Uh, now, that's not to say uh, that uh, you should build it in uh, no Chernobyl without a containment vessel or you should build it in a tsunami zone at Fukushima in Japan. But Northern Europe is in a relatively stable geological zone. We don't have tsunamis, at least in, in recorded history. Uh, we don't have significant earthquakes. Uh, modern technologies have evolved to the point where we can uh, build a nuclear power plant for uh, about 400 megawatts, which would be the, the, the scale of a normal uh, gas-fired generator. Uh, there was an argument 20 years ago by, by people in government saying, oh, you know, Ireland is too small, our, our market uh, couldn't sustain a nuclear reactor, never mind two. But now Ireland has uh, about six gigawatt of demand. It's going to rise to about nine within 10 years powered largely by this American investment as well as our population growth. Uh, so now we, ca- we can easily absorb a couple of uh, modular reactors. And those people who worry about the safety standards, look at France. France has never had a significant accident. Sweden, the same. Uh, and France depends for about 65% of its electricity generation uh, on nuclear. So that's the way forward. And, and nuclear is genuinely low carbon. I mean, 
nothing humans do is zero carbon. Obviously, you have to have people drive into work and painting the banisters and all the rest of it. But nuclear is as low carbon as you'll ever get and far lower carbon than building huge uh, windmills or solar panels out of sea. Is anybody listening to you? Well, elsewhere, you see a recovery of uh, new nuclear technologies. I mean, it's, it's, it's booming in, in China and India. Um, uh, the, the, the German Greens look as if they're about to reverse their policy on, um, on nuclear. They've really reversed the policy on mix of natural gas. Um, uh, but in Ireland, uh, unfortunately, our politicians are, seem to be driven more, more uh, by religious fervor than by any common sense uh, balanced approach. Um, you know, you can see it in all sorts of things, like the the crusade against turf cutters. Now, no calculation of the emissions associated with Irish turf even appear on the screen. They're just a rounding error. And yet, how many acres of columns do we spend arguing about uh, turf uh, bogs? The same with the liquefied natural gas. There's a perfectly good project in the Shannon Estuary to bring in LNG from any part of the world, Australia, Qatar, you name it. And yet the minister and uh, his acolytes have been opposing uh, LNG facilities, even when their founding fathers, the de Gruner, the German Greens, have reversed policy on LNG facilities. And if you look at the countries that have managed to weather the storm so far, like Scotland and, uh, and Spain particularly, it's because of their far-sighted investment in LNG facilities. So um, I think part of the reason why we haven't been listened to is that business people who are not political, and I'm not part of political, didn't get involved in the debate. You know, they sort of shrugged their shoulders and said, ah, the departmental official, the Sir Humphreys, will talk sense to a minister and none of this nonsense will ever come to pass. But unfortunately in Ireland, we have seen the nonsense come to pass. Like I can remember meeting Breed Smith before a radio debate and explaining to her that if her bill passed, that Irish emissions would go up rather than down. And Breed's attitude was, well, don't bore me with, with the, the facts. And she had her message, it, it was for her party, and it worked for her, and her, her act was adopted by the then government under Leo Varadkar. And the same with, with many of our topics. Like We seem to have turned against business. We, we've forgotten that the golden goose uh, is the business community. It's not the functionaries or the quangos or the politicians. Uh, and you have to encourage people because uh, there has been a drift against business in Ireland. And, and you pick it up talking to Americans. You know, the fact that Glonbia uh, was delayed in building its uh, dairy plant to cost the 100 euro, million euro extra. Um, you know, the fact that Ontashka um, uh, has been objecting to necessary developments, you know, that's not missed by international investors. And uh, Ireland doesn't have the luxury, uh, you know, of going without international investment. We don't want to return to the poverty of the past. I mean, the great irony is that for centuries we were a poor country, you know, mm. with emigration and famine and uh, just awful living standards with all the abuse associated with that. And the last 20 years we've become a rich country and we seem determined to throw away our riches and return to poverty. Oh my, I hope that never happens. You make some cogent points, I have to say, and uh, really strong arguments. Uh, I take it that you'll be delivering this message ad infinitum now and banging uh, the doors and tables, which you're entitled to do. And uh, there's a lot of sense in what you say. I thank you for joining me today, David. We'll talk again. Right, thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's David Horgan there, Chair of Petrol Resources. He makes some very valid points, doesn't he? He really does, and there is. I'm sure the counter-argument is as strong as well. But we are paying the price, there's no doubt about it. And have we the resources? Can we bring them on, uh, on shore? Well, David believes we can. Flying without wings.
want to dedicate that one to all Manchester United fans flying without wings for sure yesterday against Manchester City. Ouch, ouch, oh my God. The blue side of Manchester rules and has ruled for a long time. I feel your pain. Arsenal top of the league. What's rare is wonderful is all I have to say. Rare is wonderful. Now my next guest on the show is a very good friend of ours. And would you believe it, today is the first day I've actually met her in person. When I mention the name Nancy Stewart, you will recall this wonderful lady, won't you? She lived until she was 107, almost 108 years of age. She was born on the 16th of October, 1913, and passed away on the 10th of September, 2021. And we interviewed her on late lunch a number of times round her significant birthdays. And I'm delighted to welcome our granddaughter to the show today and to say hello to her for the very first time, Louise Coughlin. Welcome to Late Lunch. Jerry, thanks for having me. And as I feel as enthusiastic about this whole experience as you do. It's been a long time coming till we got to sit and look at each other eye to eye. Because, you know, and that's the thing about COVID. It took that away. But thank God, here we are. And I'm very honoured and thrilled that you're having me here. And you know why I'm delighted you're here? Because... I did promise to go and see her and that never transpired, primarily because of COVID, because COVID uh, interjected and of course we were all thrown off kilter. But you are here today and I feel her presence, may I say, round us as we speak. Now you're here for a very special reason, because you are about to publish a book about this great woman. I am, Jerry. It's a big moment for both me and Granny. Uh, But personally, obviously, it's been a long road since moving in with her. Living with her, loving with her, laughing with her, and then and losing her. Um, and I suppose it's the story of love and loss, and then the process of where do you go when you lose someone you love. And where I went is I went into her bedroom on the fifth of January, and I saw two holy pictures that she loved and all her crosses. And I pulled the table out from out in the kitchen and I pulled it in and I said, you know what, I need to do this because we had spent. Covid and the lockdown. Into I I'd interviewed her. I told her all about this book idea, and she was like, "Yeah, she will put me life story down." Laughing, as you know, laughing at the whole idea. But she gave it socks as I asked her questions after questions, and I kept typing them in and recording them. And you know, in my heart, I hoped the day would come that I put it together. But if it didn't happen the way it happened, maybe I wouldn't have recorded as much. Maybe I wouldn't have took as much detail or attention. And you know, that day on the fifth of January, when I sat down, it was either dive into heartbreak and probably leave that story locked inside me forevermore or work towards progressing through that grief and trying to find the words to put on the page. And thankfully, and I bless myself twice, that I'm now in the position that I can say to you, I have a book and I have her words, her life, her love all locked inside forevermore to hopefully help other people. In a way, then, what you're saying to me Mm. is COVID prevented me from ever meeting Nancy. But you because of this lockdown, we're able to bring all this together. It might not have happened, ironically, without COVID. It wouldn't have happened without COVID. A hundred percent. Without COVID, I would not have got that time. I wouldn't have got the break in my own life to sit and look at her. Every fibre, every heartbeat, every break, breathe, her breath, her every angle I looked at, Jerry, was the blessing for me for COVID. And in that, I have to say, COVID brought lots of bad things to us. It hurt an awful lot of people. It left an awful lot of people in grief that they didn't need to be in. But 
in the stopping of time, the world stopping, it allowed me to step right in beside her at her little stove and go, look what we're going to do with all this time. And now the blessing is that I can share her forevermore. And that is a good thing. That is a legacy left behind of love. Yeah. Every cloud has a silver lining, True as story. you know. And of course, your background, you're a journalist, a written journalist, broadcast as well. You bring all your experience to, to bear on this. 70 years between you. Yeah, yeah, 70 years between us. Well, you wouldn't have thought when we sat together, <laughs> I tell you, there was just two messers that just were looking for dividend. And you said that, Jerry, in in our conversation before we came on air, you could feel a glint in her eye. Mm. Well, I can tell you the messer was in Nancy Stewart and it was to have fun. It was to enjoy her life with whoever walked in the door. And you know what? I've got it from her. I cannot stop having fun myself. You know, the more people I meet, the more fun I'm having in my life. And I think that's what it's all about. You say at the very start of the book, an angel on earth, a saint in heaven. Isn't that just lovely? Mm. It really is. It just really sums her up in a way too, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think you feel it because mm. you spoke to her and mm. you got deep in with conversation with her. And the angel in heaven is very much the, the idea of her own fate. But to know for all of us listening or thinking about someone we've lost, that there's somewhere else they're all with us uh, but the, the saints in heaven is more from the Facebook family and from everyone else looking in at her you know there's definitely something magical about Granny Nancy you know more than the normal human I think you know <laughs> Well let's have a listen to Granny Nancy because I went back and uh, listened in this morning to one of her interviews and I took a little clip from it just to remind us about her and here she is at the start of this talking about her memories of World War Two. I didn't know any more. I didn't feel any worse or better. We were always on the one um, trail of bread and butter and a bit of jam. We killed our own pig and we had all that kind of things. We weren't hungry or, and we divided with anyone we thought we wanted it. If there was any poor people. Well, there wasn't many, but if there were, we'd share with them. Now, big things happened in Ireland from you were born. Do you remember the coming of electricity? I do and I don't. <laughs> I won't say that one. Oh, so we were all going queer when we thought we'd get electricity and a light and thrown out the, the old paraffin oil lamps that we used to have hanging on the wall and hanging out of the ceiling in my young days. It was paraffin oil. We had to go and put the lamps on the side of the wall. That's the only life we ever had. So when the electricity came, we were all so rich and grand. Oh, so it was a real novelty too. Yeah, when you hear us saying that, I'm laughing there, you hear us laughing, queer, when she used the word queer. But you know, that was when she was 106, Louise. And her recall was amazing. Exceptional. Her memory was exceptional at all times. But you know what, Jerry? the thing was, she could stretch back to that and going to school and tell me her experience of going to school. I can nearly not remember going to school, you know? But to fast forward, what I loved about Granny was her present day mind. Granny believed in today. Mm. So she would always say, don't drag too much from the past. Don't be living in the past. Today, we're here today and focus on today. But her memory was exceptional. And I suppose to tie in with that, was that's where this this miraculous state of her being was very special. She lived for 107 years, 
328 days. Imagine living f- another 10 years is enough for me on the planet. You know, I'm like, come on, I can't do this any longer. But I mean, t- you can't even get into your mind those numbers because if you had, you know, anything for 10 or 20 years, it's a long time. Mm. But 107 years, like the world from paraffin oil to sitting with me on Zoom on my MacBook doing a BBC interview <laughs> and she as cool as cucumber going, Tap me on the leg when we're live. I'm like, tap your ass. I'm being a, like hyperventilating beside her. Yeah, no problem. Oh, we're live on BBC, you know. Um, so, yeah, th- that makes her, I think, of course, I'm biased with relation, but a special human being. Mm. You know, a heart that beat, beat, beat 107 years and never gave up. A mind that could reach back to World War and then fast forward to, you know, BBC Zoom and understand Facebook. Understand social media. Are we doing Facebook Live today or are we just doing a video? I'm like, hey, I don't know. What are we doing? You know, it's, it's an exceptional. That you mentioned Facebook, we got to talk about at this point because you, this Facebook page, tell us the, the name yeah, of the page. It's li- Living and Laughing with Lou is the Facebook okay. page, yeah. And 20,000, yeah. more than 20,000 people following mm. it. And what, every month? How many? More than a million people yeah. visiting. Every month. Yeah, they're all coming in the door to have a look. Yeah, that's how I look at it. Because for me, the Facebook family are a huge part of this story going forward. When when Granny passed, they could have left me because Granny was the attraction, truth be known. But they have stayed and they have not just stayed. They have moved in in numbers around me. And I suppose the story for me on this end, Jerry, is very important to share is the, the, the magic of human connection, the magic of human kindness, the magic of seeing someone grieving and people stepping closer and closer towards you. And as you know, there's a lady after, is out here with Louise, the producer, sitting, and her name is Breda Rogan. She's on the page for three years. I have never met Breda Rogan in my life. Today, Until today, today, she messages, sends me her phone number, says, do you want to meet, you know, you're coming to Toronto tomorrow. We'll meet at the Monster Boys Inn. Fantastic, by the way. Delicious soup. And um, met me there. Beeped as I was driving in. She recognised my car from all the lives, of course. I didn't recognise her. Beep, beep, beep. Out. Hug. In for soup. In for chats of our lives like we knew each other forever. Sharing intimate details because we have spent so much time virtually together, even though I never met. Then offers to drive me to the radio station. <laughs> like talking about not being left on your own. <laughs> talking about Granny Nancy serving me up the most wonderful support system ever since she left. And you know Breda Rogan is a fantastic, beautiful person. And how do I know that? I know it because I feel it. I feel it in her. And I know it too because yeah. I soldiered with her for years in Telecom Erin and Aircom as well. And she's fantastic yeah. as well. And well done to you, Breda. She's sitting in there with Louise at the minute uh, for, you know, becoming part of this wonderful, <laughs> wonderful story. Yeah. And Breda is just one of hundreds and mm. thousands of people who I know you are going to reach out and touch over the coming weeks and months. Nancy Stewart's granddaughter Louise Coughlin is with me on Late Lunch today and we are chatting. Now let's get round to the book. Oh no, wait, before the book, let me read this please for you. Um, thank you so much to Louise for sharing beautiful Granny Nancy. We have some great memories of Granny. Nancy Louise and Granny were an inspiration to us all and Louise is absolutely amazing. Granny Nancy is watching over her beautiful granddaughter. We're extremely proud of you Louise. That comes in from Olivia and Anna this afternoon. So that's just especially for you today. Thank you for that lovely comment. Now come on to the book which I had a chance to look through and glance at this morning. Tell us about the book. When is it coming out and what are your plans for it, Louise? Yeah, well, the story of the book is um, the book. 
I've kept it very simple, Jerry. I've went for a book style that I like myself. Lots of coloured photographs because I love photos. And it's an interview style book. So it's questions and answers. My input is minuscule compared to Granny's. It's Granny's voice that leads the whole way through because it's her story. And she had a lot to say. Um, It's topics of family, fate, food, uh, the pandemic. A lot of social commentary from Granny Nancy. She didn't leave anything behind her, I can tell you that. And then there's a, a whole section at the back is the contributions from people who met her, who didn't know her. And also Mm. what I like about it, there's... um, during the pandemic 2020 we released a letter of hope you will remember that and that letter of hope spiralled out of control in the most positive way we'd written the letter together and so that's in there the letter of hope the letter of love the letter of light so there's a lot of reading in it there's 55,000 words over 200 pages a lot of coloured photographs so if you don't like words you'll have loads to look at because she lights up in photographs Um, and the truth about the book is it's Granny Nancy Ireland's oldest lady who lived, loved and laughed for 107 years a very long title in the American world, you would not be allowed to do that. But because this is a self-published independent book, Jerry, and this is where I'm coming from on a personal level, is I'm just going for broke with it because I believe in it and I feel something in me that it has to come out. So that's why I, I, I went for it. And it's a colourful front cover. I hope that people will enjoy um, the truth about it is it's been launched on the 16th of October in the Hamlet Court Hotel in Johnstown Bridge. Eddie Rowley from the Sunday World is coming along and Sam Ventner, she's a journalist that used to live in South Africa but she lives up the north now and she actually, she's the editor of the Prison Letters of Nelson Mandela. So she's, you know, she's very, I'm just honoured that they're, they want to be part of it. And then Amory Kelly from Today FM Time and Midlands Radio 3 is hosting it and the whole occasion is just to get together. Yeah. And people are booking in left, right and centre from the Facebook family and in general which is amazing they're booking in Saturday and Sunday it's just magic and then from there I suppose the main thing to say to Jerry is where it's available I suppose will come down to the next two weeks I'm independent so it's, it's actually I'm learning the ropes that it's very hard as a self-published author to move your book into shops. So what I've what I've started is, and what I'll be doing is, I'm going to do a 32 county, uh, the Granny Nancy Cup of Tea book tour. And the reason I'm doing that is that I know you're smiling. Uh, me and Granny love tea. Anyway, tea is the answer no matter the question. Whatever your problem is, make tea. If you can't think of something, make tea. If you can think of something, make tea. But anyway, the 32 um, county tour is based on the virtual mass tour we did in January 2021. We were meant to do it as an advent calendar thing before Christmas. Granny got sick. So then in January, I said to her, you know, she loved looking at mass on my phone most of the time. But she didn't even want the computer. She wanted, can I have your iPhone? Yeah, OK. And um, we, we travelled virtually 32 counties that time. And it was a huge positive story people just got on board inviting us to masses and you're always doing sitting in the armchair at the, at the, at the jubilee with a cup of tea um, but it was a great success in the sense of fun and community yes. I always promised granny you know what when this is all over I'm going out on the roads to get to these people and you'll come with me you know in my own mind but poor granny obviously left so now I'm going to take that opportunity and I'm going to go out on the road I'm going to drive around to every little place I can go to thank people for what they did for me and granny People say we did something for them. They did an awful lot for us. They kept me going that I was able to stay with her and mine. Plenty of moments on my fold up bed. I cried going to sleep. Not sure could I hack it. And I did because of the people in my phone. And uh, so now I'm hoping to start this 32 county book tour from the 16th of October so I'm calling on counties particularly Loudon Mead hello Loudon Mead come in Loudon Mead the people of Loudon Mead I'm talking specifically for ye to host um, a, a visit for me to come and I suppose what I'm looking for is I'm looking for venues 
and I'm looking for a teapot okay. and I'm looking for them to call on, on their locals to come and have a bit of crack with us and I suppose the one thing I'd say to you is I'd love to do bookstores of course first and foremost but because of community I want churches I want schools I want butcher, baker candlestick maker I want anyone that wants me I am coming with, to the door with a smile and a book in my hand and I'm hoping you might be able to help me get the book out there because we, you know and with a drive to bring community back we are beyond the story where we were locked into our houses and it's time to boil the kettle look at each other in the face smile, laugh, hug and, and have a good time in the name of Granny Nancy. This is going to happen I know this is going to happen. I feel it in me water today. It has to happen with you driving it. So if you're listening in louder than me today yeah. and you'd like to meet Louis, Louise Coughlin, make contact with her. If you have a shop that'll stock the book, especially book shops in louder than me, if you can give her a dig out here, it'd be fantastic. And I think we can help you on that as well. What's the best way to get in touch? Yeah, the best way is just one email address and I've made it really simple. GrannyNancy107 at gmail.com. If you can connect in with me there, GrannyNancy107 at gmail.com. And from there I'll hope to be able to and you know what Jerry? what's funny is I'm only really starting to talk about this today with you and already seven bookings have come in just on the back and a woman imagine a woman message from Mayo last night to say she wants to do it in her house in Ballada (laughs) and like a school and a shop and a chemist so I'm really excited and I really I'm so grateful already to the people allowed in Mead for any support they can give me they will support you give us the uh, address again grannynancy107 at gmail.com it's so easy get in touch with this lady she She's absolutely infectious. And may I say this to finish today, Nancy Stewart lives on in you, Louise Coughlin, and will always. And a special song to finish out today, yes? It's Parachute by Something Happens because I believe I'm in an airplane and I'm about to jump and you are my parachute. Someone pull the cord, Granny Nancy will pull one and I'm hoping the people of Ireland will pull the other. Louise Coughlin, it's been a pleasure. a parachute and go There's gonna have to be some danger Take a parachute and jump You're gonna have to take flight Yes, Parachute, we dedicate today to Louise Coughlin as she heads off on our Granny Nancy's Cup of Tea Tour, coming to a town or village near you soon. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. Great to have you with us on the show this Monday afternoon, the first day of a new month on Late Lunch here on LMFM Radio. Now, my next guest, I'm delighted to welcome back to studio in person. And she's going to remind me, you know me and dates and times and everything, so I'm all over the shop. But last time she was here, her single at that stage that she released was just fantastic. She's back today because all the singles are coming together and other songs to release her first album called Fatima. And we're going to hear the story behind that as well. I'm delighted to welcome back Farah L to Late Lunch. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Really good. How long is it? You remind me, please. Uh, I think it must have been about five years ago. Yeah, it was ages ago. Oh my, it's like a different world, isn't it? With all that's (laughs) happened in between... What song was it then? I think it was Sunblock. It was? Yeah, I think it was Sunblock. And it was like the acoustic version, the little demo I did at home. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Is it on the album? It is. And it's Go new on. and it's re-recorded and it has a whole different spin on it. 
Good on you. Yeah. A lot of water under the bridge since then. This album is a while in the making, but as you know, Farah, worth waiting for. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Good things take time. Yes, they do indeed. <laughs> yeah. So you're ready now. This I'm is so ready. Management-wise, production-wise, all this has come together now. Yeah, I'm just so ready to just let it go. Like, it's seven years of songwriting mm. and... I love the songs so much and I just want to set them free. Like I want people to be able to hear me play a song live and then go home and listen to it if they want to. That is just such a gift and I'm so excited to be able to share that with the world. The name of the album, Fatima. It's close to your heart. (laughs) Yep. That's my mom's name. (laughs) Yeah. It just felt right to call it that as well. And the funniest thing was like, it didn't even come to me as a sort of, oh, what do I call the name? Oh, my mom's name's Fatima. I'll call it that. It actually didn't happen like that at all. I was looking after somebody's house at the time and they had a plaque on the wall from that place, Fatima. You know that place in Portugal or yes. something? And uh, it's a Christian shrine. Exactly, yes. yeah. And Fatima is, um, I was raised with an Islamic background and Fatima is actually the wife of the prophet. So it was very um, culturally relevant because it's kind of a cross-cultural reference. And there's a place in Dublin called Fatima. And I don't know, it just, I saw the plaque. It had the same dimensions as a CD box you know the same shape and I was like damn that kind of looks like an album cover and then I was like oh I should totally call the album Fatima and I looked up the meaning of the word Fatima as well and I got a few words and it was captivating and then it was sanctuary and these songs really gave me sanctuary over the years so uh, I think like (laughs) if it does anything even remotely like that for anyone then my job is done. It called to you. That's mm. what I hear you saying. <laughs> but of course, we know your ma'am, Fatima Hamrush, former minister in the Libyan government as well. And of course, you are Libyan Irish, born in Libya, have come to Ireland and made Ireland your home at this stage. That, you know, mix, it's it's in your music, isn't it? Yeah, it comes through. Yeah, I think I was exploring a lot around identity growing up and sort of coming to terms with what that really meant to me um, and you can really kind of hear it unfolding in the songs and I'm exploring themes around displacement but I'm also just observing my family and my friends and my own mental health and just yeah letting it all out and just expressing myself so really happy to release that. Besides you and who you are and your dual country background who else would you say are your big musical influences oh good question i have a very very eclectic range of influences i grew up mainly on hip-hop and ska and reggae and punk and a little bit of heavy metal (laughs) and a lot of jazz (laughs) so it's like a big mix and loads of blues like loads of blues so I was really um like names like I mean Nina Simone is probably one of my biggest icons um Asha uh, I loved Lily Allen's album with Mark Ronson. Lupe Fiasco is one of my favourite rappers, and The Specials, one of my favourite bands, and Madness. And oh, I, feel, <laughs> I feel young on late lunch oh, again so today funny. when you mentioned those. But it is a wide pool you're actually pulling from. Yeah. And, and you know, channeling all that into what you do. Um, 
the album itself is coming out on the 7th of October, which is this week. Mm-hmm. How do we get hold of it or where is it available? It'll be available everywhere. Just you literally Google Farah El Fatima and it'll come up on Spotify, Apple Music, Deezer, like <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere, it's available. Yeah. What does your mum think of the name? <laughs> she loves it. I'm sure she, she does. Yeah, she's delighted. She's like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so honoured that you're going to call it that. And it just felt so obvious at that stage that I would call it that. I was like, you don't even have to be honoured. I mean, I get it, but <laughs> but like, yeah, it just feels right. Yeah, good on you. Good on you. It's a lovely tribute to her, I have to say. Besides music, there's another aspect to Farrell as well, isn't there? Yeah. 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 I'm very passionate about the healing power of music. Um, I think music can provide a really, really healthy and nourishing space for um, growth and healing. So I give a lot of music and wellness workshops and I kind of just really share my warm ups and things that I do that I've learned along the line. I've kind of dabbled in a little bit of different types of psychotherapy and trauma healing and I kind of mix them with my musical skills into these workshops where I just share ways of just preserving yourself in this mad world. And I'm really passionate about that because I get a lot from it myself. And I think it's a really lovely way to explore kind of deeper things, but in a light and fun way. Mm. And you, it's you work deep. with young people, don't you? All lot. ages. Yes. All, all ages. ages. Yeah, all, yeah ages. all ages. Do you think that you're a young woman? Do you think today's younger generations are more challenged than previous ones? I think we take in a lot of information and that can be very overwhelming. And I think we need spaces to process that. And that sometimes comes in the form of, you know, getting comfortable with stillness and nature. And also songs can provide you a place to do that. So self-expression, creativity, things to just help you process all the things that taking in because we really do take in a lot of information and I think yes for young people that can be a lot because um, the brains are still getting there's, mm. your brain's still forming all the mm. way till you're 25 um, but also all ages again like you, you see it in see it in 70 year olds who are addicted to their phones as well you know and it's a lot of information to take in and it can be a lot mm. yeah people need the space uh, and you know I noticed that quite recently myself and Louise where our IT guy Declan Bailey were talking about the screen time and I was amazed at the amount of time I spend now on on screen at Mm. my age as well whereas I grew up in a world you know what would I say there are two worlds in my book now Mm. you know what I'm talking about absolutely the reality of you and I here and there's that other space yeah you know to bring those together there's no other way that's the way it's gone isn't it that's the future I understand that yeah I mean it's about balance at the end of the day isn't it but yeah technology is advancing and it's advancing quickly but at the end of the day there's still innate things that we do as human beings that we need which are things like music and movement and food and actually the things that really nourish our spirit like and those things will never change no matter how much technology advances and you see this connection <laughs> this connection we are having today you and i that you know wasn't possible as you know with circumstances COVID times we're only talking about with my previous guest as well that human connection is vital isn't I it? know it really is no it really is it really really is there's nothing like it I'm one of these people, people as well that like 
you can text me or call me and it'll be fine but my real life me is definitely <laughs> me at my best yeah mm. <laughs> musically you know this album is is a, a seismic moment for you to release your first album isn't it yeah it's huge mm. yeah i've been waiting so long i'm so excited <laughs> I can't try, I'm literally trying to play it cool right now. I can't, like... Don't I, play it cool. Why have, would you? I have no chill these days. Like, I haven't been sleeping right. Like, I've just been existing, like, with this sort of feeling of, oh, my God, it's going to happen. <laughs> and I'm just really, really ready to, yeah, to celebrate, to mm. celebrate the hard work. Beyond the release, what happens? You know, to promote the album, what are your plans there? I'm going to keep doing, I have a few like radio interviews and stuff lined up and a couple of gigs. Um, And yes, do stay tuned with me on socials because I will be announcing some things that I really want to announce right now, but I'm not allowed. (laughs) But I will be announcing this week. Okay. Um, So yeah, I will be doing gigs and um, just keep sharing out the songs and you know yourself there's so many ways to get them out there I love a lo- I love a good live show mm. um, so I'd be doing a few and I kind of have a very intimate style when it comes to live shows so I like capacities of a hundred like where I can see everyone in the intimate room intimate venues yeah I love that so I'm going to be doing a few of those definitely um, yeah and just more shows more interviews and what about beyond are you continuing to write is that you know something that you're always looking at that's always there or do you you know now you know the way people do this you have the songs you have the album you go on tour yeah, whatever you promote it with your gigs and then you go back into studio and you start writing and that again what's your modus operandi yeah I love writing I'm mm. going to keep writing music I have so many ideas actually that I started a couple of years ago but it's almost like I haven't let myself fully finish those ideas because I just want to get this album out first um, so as soon as it's out and I'm not holding these songs hostage anymore <laughs> then I'm gonna you know finish the other songs and I already know what I want to do for like Album number two and album number three. I just want to keep going. I want to keep being creative. That's my main progress. I remember this, holding songs hostage. (laughs) I must keep that in mind. That's what you do. That's a lovely term. It really is. Anyway, the album is called Fatima. It's out on the 7th of October. It'll be available on all of the platforms. And you have selected a lead single. Yes. 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 Explain it, what it's about, because we're going to hear it now. Great. This is Laundry. Um, Laundry is the last song on the album. And all my family and friends are singing along at the end. And feel free to do the same. It's about when I came home one day and my laundry was done. That is the dream for everybody. Will I get it done for me anyway? It's not a dream for me. I'm spoiled, I have to say that. Anyway, Farah El, it's lovely to meet you again in person. I wish you all the very best with the album and whatever you do. You are full of energy and joy and your music is simply wonderful. (laughs) Let's hear what it's all about. Farah El and Laundry. Here we go. Home and my laundry's done. I'll be coming home when my laundry's done. Home and my laundry's done, baby, I'll be coming home I'll lean your mind Does it find me feel so right? My baby calls me all the time No, not only 
Hi, Louise. Hey, Jerry. Welcome back. Welcome Didn't back know what to Louise you. You were talking too. to there. Welcome back to you too. They haven't heard much <laughs> from you in the last couple of weeks either. Yeah, Little party has told me. Welcome back. And <laughs> somebody's ringing me there to take it off the air. <laughs> Not at all. Anyway, uh, I'm delighted to be back today. And again, a big thank you yeah. to Barbara Scully, who was just terrific and well done. And thanks for keeping uh, the seat warm. I had a great time. Uh, I should say buongiorno. Yes, you have a lovely colour. I was, yes, I was in Italy again and in particular Venice. Oh, Louise, such a city. Incredible, incredible place, I have to say. We had a great time. Did you time. go in a gondola? No. No. Because... A certain fella called Paddy, who you know, warned me if I went in a gondola, he'd never speak to me again. <laughs> Why? He says they're bullshit. <laughs> Why didn't you just go and not tell him? <laughs> I couldn't do that. That's not me. <laughs> I couldn't do that. But loads of people, it, it, no, excuse me, loads of people enjoyed the gondolas and that. We just didn't. But my God, what a place. We were out on the water. We had a whole tour and not in a gondola, but about the whole city and round it and everything as one part of the visit. Uh, but it was just outstanding. It was lovely. I got a little bit of colour. I think it's blood pressure, actually. I don't think it's I'm coming sun. back in here today. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you have it, sister. Now you have it. Sure. Anyway, yeah, it was lovely and enjoyed the break and switched off for the couple of weeks. Anyway, to today's competition from screen, what would you call your horse? If you had a horse and you were to name it, <laughs> come on, Louise, in all honesty, what name would you give it? I'm really a giraffe. <laughs> <laughs> There's method to my madness, you see, because people would go, I'm really, oh, look, at it. we won't back that horse. And then you see the odds would go up and then I'd win and I'd earn a fortune. See? I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really a giraffe. <laughs> I have my name. What would you call yours? It has to be right. <laughs> I would 100% agree with that. Would you agree with that? Yes. <laughs> it has to be right. That's my horse. It has to be right. If your horse feared even a little bit to one side, that that'd be he'd be oh, done. Sorry, for. sorry, didn't mean none of that at all. <laughs> I love some Great of the lines. names coming in. Yeah, us. they're brilliant. There's one I copped there that really made me laugh. Where is it? Uh, well, that's another. Desi would call his uh, horse Ollie's Folly after his little grandson. Yeah. Uh, first past the post, says Christine there. Come on, you good thing, Moira. Well done to you. Cheers, no tears. In, in memory of my ma'am. Oh, my God. There's some sad ones there as well, isn't it? Tropical mm. Storm, says another. That's it. Well, we've had a massive one. We haven't. They have in the States recently. Uh, Annie Crack. I love that. Do you like that one? Annie. A-N-N-I-E. Which? Head Bob. Where's that one? There's From loads Tommy of them. Bushell. There's loads of them there. What would you call your horse? There's a big <laughs> prize on offer. What would you call your horse? That Don't do one day's love that one. Say Andrade. There's one there. Oh, I love that one. From Gary McShane and Belorgan. Who farted? <laughs> That's hoof. H-O-O-F-A-R-T-E did. Who farted? Brilliant. I love that, Gary McShane. I really do. Horsepower. Horsepower. 
See that one there. Covid's end, says Maraid. Lucky bonus from John Kerwin today. Lucky, lucky, somebody else says. Listen, if you send us in the name of your horse, if you if you had a horse, if you owned a horse, what would you call it? 086-1800-658. Because I have a 50 euro ticket to the Screen JFC raffle, which is happening this weekend. A John Deere tractor, 100,000 in cash, or the ownership, second prize, of a Gavin Cromwell horse trained for you sorry trained ownership of a Gavin Cromwell horse trained race horse for one season that's the second prize what would you call your horse and the tractor Louise what would you do if you won the tractor (laughs) learn how to drive it (laughs) (laughs) well it'd be more than you've done for the car (laughs) yeah I might be able to drive it better than the car <laughs> Massies are classy, but zethers are better. More room. Think about and the tractors. Everybody has to make way for you on the road. They do. Yeah. And they hold up everything. That was the excuse in Italy any time we were held up when we were over there. Oh, they're doing the harvest. <laughs> Oh, the Italians, you can't beat them. They're too clever altogether. Late lunch, LMFM Radio. My artist of the week coming up after three. Your horse names are fantastic. They really are. Silver Bullet, says Kira in Navin. The best, the best, says uh, another listener today. Mayo Hero. What about that one? Oh, welcome back, Jerry. Delighted to hear your voice. Love the banter between Louise and yourself. Missed you. Thank you, says Marie and Navin. Thank you for all the good wishes uh, for my return to the show. Really do appreciate it. Uh, there's more there as well. Thank you all, one and all. Delighted to be back with you on the show this afternoon. I have a nice prize each day this week. It's a 50 euro ticket and it gets you into the screen GFC big draw. It's happening this weekend. So time is of the essence. If you want to get a ticket, the 50 euro. But listen to the prize. 100,000 in cash or a John Deere 6120M tractor. That's the first prize. Second prize, the ownership of a Gavin Cromwell trained racehorse for a season. You can buy a ticket at screengfc.ie. That's screen, S-K-R-Y-N-E, G-F-C dot I-E. 50 euro for the ticket. And we're giving one away each day on late lunch. All you have to do is tell us the name you would give to a horse if you were the owner of that horse for a year, if you can change the name. Or if you bought a horse or got involved with a horse, what name would you give it? Today's winner, yes, it has to be Gary McShane from Belurgan Hoofarted. H-O-O-F-A-R-T-E-D. There's a space between those. Hoofarted is the winner today. Well done to you, Gary. Tomorrow you'll have another chance to win a ticket and the following day and the following day get your tickets before the weekend and we'll be talking to somebody from screen on the show tomorrow afternoon on Late Lunch this first Monday in October. It is time for this. The Late Lunch Artist of the Week. Artist of the Week. With sales of more than, listen to this, 250 million records worldwide, 31 top 10 singles in the UK and the USA in both jurisdictions, 14 number ones, a raft of awards, six entries in the Guinness World Records, named as one of the most influential people in the world twice, the wealthiest female artist ever with an estimated value on her at the moment of $1.4 billion. Not bad for the little girl from Barbados. Yes, my artist of the week this week is Robin Rihanna Fenty, a.k.a. Rihanna. Yes, she is. She was born on the 2nd of February 1988 to Ronald Fenty and Monica Braithwaite. Her dad is actually part of 
Irish, yes, he has Irish descendancy in his blood, was a street trader selling clothes assisted by a young Rihanna. However, the relationship was fractious, to say the least, because of his alcoholism and addiction to cocaine and most of all, uh, the mistreatment of Rihanna's mother. Her parents divorced, no surprise, when she was 14, and really it was better for all concerned. Strange to say that, but everything moved on from there. When she was 15, a year later, she was musical from a young age, but she formed a musical trio with two of her school friends and arranged an audition with a prestigious American record producer, Evan Rogers, who said from the moment that he met Rihanna, he knew she would be a star. In fact, for the other two girls, it was Rihanna stood out. He encouraged her to make a demo, which made its way to Mr. Jay-Z, who was then CEO of Def Jam Records, And he moved to sign her up immediately and she signed a six-album deal. She moved from Barbados to the United States and her stellar career was underway. It's Rihanna all this week on Your Late Lunch, My Artist of the Week. Please don't stop the music. Oh, we won't be stopping it all week. Please don't stop the music. It's Rihanna, my artist of the week this week. Isn't she just fantastic? And I'll have more about her in words and song round about this time tomorrow afternoon. It's National Breastfeeding Week and joining me is Shanine Mallon. She's clinical midwife specialist for infant feeding and lactation at Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital. Hello, Shanine. Hello, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Thanks for joining me on the show. Well, are you making progress with this? We highlight it here every year and, you know, there's different themes and different uh, innovations. How's it going? Do you know what, Jerry? We're getting on really, really well. I think that it's important for us all to identify we're coming off the back of the biggest health challenge we've ever, ever Mm. faced. And, you know, the really, really good news is that there's about 63% of our mums out there who are starting breastfeeding in the hospital. And of those women, we are really, really working so hard to increase the support that they get when they initiate breastfeeding. And that's paying off because this year our figures are improving. We have about 58.8% of mums breastfeeding their baby when the public health nurse comes out to visit them on their first visit. And that's a big increase for us. That's a 4.8% increase since 2015. So that's really, really good news for us in breastfeeding. It certainly is. hard to get those numbers up. Yeah, no, but listen, steady as she goes, bit by bit, year on year, and you're you're, you're getting there. That is really positive to hear. As as regards, you know, supports and encouragement and education and that, uh, are women more open to it now, do you feel, or is that opening up as well year on year? Yeah, I think that the conversations around breastfeeding um, are opening up, um, I think, nationally here in Ireland. More women are aware of the support that's available to them. We Countrywide, we have antenatal breastfeeding preparation classes 
although we were very challenged over COVID, and I know Brenda spoke to you last year, we carried those on via Zoom, as did lots of the hospitals around the country. So although we've been very challenged in how we communicate with mums, we've worked really hard in breastfeeding to keep those lines of communication open. So the conversations are happening. Um, we have lots of fantastic midwives who are working really hard from every time that they meet mums in their pregnancy or GPs um, to kind of encourage and support breastfeeding from the beginning. You know, even um, before you have your baby, we have lots of messages now. Um, you know, I'm sure you said you hear them on the radio and you see them um, on the, mm. on the um, television. So those conversations are opening up. Um, mums are aware of the benefits of breastfeeding. Um, I think we... we have worked really hard nationally on supporting mums on the benefits of breastfeeding. But really now what we're looking at is when mums decide to breastfeed their baby, what have we got out there? How can we help you? How can we support you? And really the theme of National Breastfeeding Week this week is, you know, experts advice and support every step of the way. So we're working really hard on that too. Now, women breastfeed, but the men of Drada are helping you. Tell us the story. They are, they are. We are so blessed. We're so, so excited um, to let you know and to be um, the first um, country in Ireland to have um, the lovely men of Drogheda's Men's Shed have been working so, so hard in providing us with the first breastfeeding or infant feeding bench. Um, this bench is going to be designed for mums who have babies to help them to um, feed out and about no matter what, where they decide to feed. And we're hoping now, please God, all being well, to have um, a beautiful new bench in Dominic's Park um, on Thursday. Lovely. So um, the council and the men's sheds have worked. It's absolutely beautiful. We're so delighted. And it's actually the first um, breastfeeding bench of its kind in the country. So we're really excited about that. Well done to them. And uh, great to have their support. And it's... uh, it will be in St Dominic's Park along the River Boyne in Drogheda there for mums to utilise in the hospital itself are you doing anything in particular this week? Oh we've loads we had a beautiful um, morning this morning we actually before we we had um, thought of National Breastfeeding Week you're always trying to think of something new so we had a lovely Ask the Expert morning this morning for staff and mums we had physiotherapists there we had um, women and infant health midwife there. We have our teenage pregnancy midwife there looking at giving mums and staff information around breastfeeding. We um, Hopefully we have the launch of our lovely breastfeeding event on Thursday. And then we're doing something nice for our staff as well on Friday, um, as well as loads of education around our staff. Um, although we have CMS as an infant feeding, my job and I, I'm a team of four, our midwives are so important um, in providing breastfeeding support. So we're working hard and educating them and really making sure that they have all the skills they need to help and support our lovely new mums and babies. Just before we so finish, one of your themes over the years was breast is best. And uh, just on that, if you can do it even for a time, it's it's better than not breastfeeding at all. That That needs to be said, doesn't it? Oh, every little bit of breast milk or colostrum in those early days that you can give your baby is beneficial. Every feed makes a difference. Um, We support and encourage all mums um, uh, to feed their babies whatever way they choose. But definitely every little breast um, feed makes a difference to those mums and babies. And we're happy to help and support any mum, no matter what her journey looks like. Shanine, thank you so much for joining me on the show and I wish you all well there as I always do. You're fantastic people with all you do in this regard. You're doing great. Thank you so much, Sherry. You're always a great advocate and a great supporter. Thank you. We appreciate it.
You are very welcome. That's Janine Mallon there, clinical midwife specialist for infant feeding and lactation uh, in Our Lady of Lourdes Hospital in Drogheda. One thing I just want to mention before I go, I was really sad to learn of the passing of Brian Mullins at the weekend. I interviewed Brian on this show. I had the pleasure of playing golf for him. Uh, I'll never forget it one afternoon and I was been in his company once or twice as well. He was an absolute legend, one of the greatest Gaelic footballers of all time and he passed all too soon and all too quickly and I want to extend my condolences to his family and children and all his friends today. He'll never ever be forgotten. The tributes in the newspapers over the weekend were simply outstanding and it reflects the giant of a man that Brian's Brian Mullins was. May he rest in peace. What a fantastic, fantastic man. That's it on Late Lunch this Monday afternoon. Eddie's coming next with The Drive. Tomorrow on the show, we're going to hear about an arson attack on a local business that could have jeopardised over 50 jobs and a real strong business that's wedded into the community here in the northeast. We'll also have your two on Tuesday, more from Rihanna and lots more besides on the show. Have a lovely Monday evening and do come back and join us for Tuesday's Late Lunch from 1.30 and be thinking about your horse names for tomorrow. Think of a good name for your horse and you could be winning the prize from screen on Late Lunch. See you Tuesday. Bye. LMFM Podcasts with CNC Carpets. We bring the showroom to you or book a new showroom appointment on 87 660 4237 When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch Sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.